Welcome to Tori Studio, the podcast. I'm your host, Tori Hill. I'm a nature lover, skinny dipper, traveler, and proud creator of the Rinse and Repeat Wellness Program. Empowering others to break free and step into their own dreams is what lights me up. Through my personal experience with anxiety and unworthiness, I know firsthand what is required for true self-growth, and I'm here to spill all of it to you. Whether your vision is to feel more peace in your life, identify your dreams, or take action towards them, this podcast is for you. Now is all we have, so let's get started. This podcast episode is so important for the world to hear, and I am so happy to be able to call this guest speaker my friend. Um, In this episode, Alana Ojibwe talks to us about how she came back home to her body, to herself after a life-altering experience. And I do want to note that we do talk about a traumatic event, and I want to make sure that the appropriate audience is listening to this. So please make note of that. And throughout this podcast episode, Alana not only shares how she returned back home to herself after this experience, but she also talks about in depth the misguided stereotypes that the fitness industry puts on us. And how we don't, we aren't exposed enough to the mental strength that is required as we are strengthening our physical body. And Alana has such a refreshing and authentic approach to to exercise. And you will be left with a whole new definition of exercise, fitness, physical movement, however you want to call it. Um, And I'm just really excited for you to learn and be inspired and motivated and empowered by all of the wisdom and knowledge and experience that Alana shares in this podcast episode. All right, we are live. We have Alana in the house. I'm so excited to have you here today, Alana. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm so excited. Yeah, and we're like, we're two like strong, independent Vermont ladies over here. So like (laughs) I always love like sharing the same state as as a guest on the podcast. I can't wait until we can be doing some version of this in the woods somewhere. Yeah. But, but this is good for now. Yeah, totally. All right. So I would like to just jump right in and ask you about your story and kind of like your journey on how you got to this version of you. And we can revolve that around mindset and movement if that works for you. Yeah. Um. You know, it's funny, this is like a very kind of straightforward question, but it always feels so hard. It's so hard. It's so (laughs) So hard. Um, I think it's so hard because, so for me, I've never, so sort of the movement 
realm of my world has always been um, either solely personal or as a side kind of job. Mm-hmm. So, so there's kind of different versions of me, I think. Um, but for the purposes of this conversation, I'm going to focus on the version of me that um, has evolved from kind of the relationship of exercise in my life and the impact of that on mindset. And um, yeah, so, so to really back up, I think movement generally has been a part of my life since um, forever. Like that was just a part of our household. And I think was really kind of the language of play. That's how we, that, that was our choice of, you know, if we had time together as a family, we were outside, we were wrestling, we were running around in the yard. Like we were always moving around um, or riding bikes or doing things that like, it was very much a part of our family um, that some kind of exercise was just something you did because it was fun and it felt good. Yeah. So that kind of, continued into teenage years and really loved playing sports and loved being a part of a team. Um, And so that kind of stayed pretty consistently as my connection to like exercise up until that point was um, either sports or just something I did for fun. It was always just for fun. Yeah. Um, As I think it should be for any child any person, but especially for kids. Um, yeah. And then, and then sort of leading into college prior to starting, um, the summer before I was traveling abroad and, um, experienced a really awful, um, I was kidnapped and I was raped and I had to deal with um, getting myself out of that situation when I really thought I was just going to be, I didn't know if I would be coming out of that situation. So um, without going into too much detail about that, um, that really in a lot of ways was the catalyst for where my connection to myself and my body um, kind of took a pretty abrupt turn. And for years after that, really through my college years, um, really shaped in a negative way, my relationship with others and my relationship, most importantly with myself. Um, Mm -hmm. I just didn't see my body as my own. I didn't see my body as something that I wanted. I didn't see it as something that I valued. Um, and I definitely didn't see it as a source of pride or motivation. Um, Mm. and then kind of over time that started slowly evolving. I started slowly kind of getting back into, um, exercising again. And, and I think actually if I had to pinpoint it, it was, signing up for a half marathon with a friend of mine in college. I, I really hated running, honestly, but I told her I would do it. And, and so I signed up for this marathon 
And, and that really kind of um, was a good turning point in terms of something that gave me a goal to be working on and reestablishing a connection with myself that was something positive because um, it was something I wanted to do. It was something I was doing for fun with a friend and, um, and I started feeling proud of myself again and, and my body. And there was, whether I was conscious of it at the time or not, there was definitely a connection with um, me mentally feeling better and, and that being really like they were running parallel, but I didn't realize it at the time of how much, you know, physically doing things again to feel good and mentally feeling better. Um, I don't think I was aware at the time of the connection, but then kind of, it just started evolving that way. And I, it just kept leading to thing after thing where I, I kind of started craving goals of things to, um, just start feeling proud of myself again for like feeling strong and feeling successful and feeling like I had this connection with a body that was like, fuck yeah, I just did this thing. And, and then that just kept kind of being this positive ripple effect, um, that really became therapy for me. You know, I think what happened to me happened so abruptly. And then I went right to college and I never really processed it. I never went to therapy. Um, definitely don't talk about it much. And, um, but it shaped me so heavily. And so I needed an outlet and I was processing so much and, and just dumping all this emotional energy into a physical and it felt so good. So I just started doing it and I was craving it. Um, and then, yeah, I think eventually it just got to a point that I was actually conscious of the connection between what I needed mentally to start feeling, um, empowered and motivated and, and it just became an outlet. They just started going hand in hand as far as like everything else in my world, there was a way to translate those hard things mm -hmm. into exercises being the outlet. So if I was feeling stressed, exercise was an outlet. If I was feeling down on myself or discouraged, exercise was a great outlet to give myself a goal to start like you, even if it's small, like you do a thing, do it well and be proud of yourself for that thing. Even if it's like one thing, five minutes, like it felt really good to start doing those things and it could translate into every other aspect of your day to day. Um, and then, yeah. So I think once I was aware of that for myself, um, I became really interested in working with other people, really specifically other women, mm -hmm. as far as giving that to other people, because I saw it as um, really, really as a mental health focus for having an outlet for people um, to feel empowered and to feel good and to have really a source of something that is in their control to feel strong. And that was really my became kind of my mission with working um as a personal trainer and doing group exercise um was you know obviously let's set goals and let's talk about physical strength but for me it has always so much been rooted in that relationship with your mental strength because mm -hmm. it it absolutely like you can't you can't not acknowledge the connection between the two yeah 
Yeah. Long story, but that's, that's, that's the kind of version, I guess, of that. I don't honestly, um, talk about that much. And I, I would say most people, even that know me through sort of like the movement fitness realm of things. I think there's very few people, honestly, um, that know, they know maybe what I do and, and, but very few people know kind of the why behind that. So, yeah. Well, first off, I just want to hold space for you and honor you so much. And, um, yeah, I, I really just want to honor you right now for being vulnerable and for sharing your truth and your journey. Um, I think that there are going to be listeners who may need to hear, um, this conversation and, I don't take it lightly that you felt safe enough to share um, on the podcast. So thank you so much. Um, And like, as you were talking, I was kind of like reflecting about everything you were saying. And it really sounds like this is uh, your journey with this in this aspect is really a journey of coming back home to yourself. Mm. And yeah. I, I just think that it's beautiful. And, um, and what I'm also hearing you say is that it started out as um, movement as physical fitness. And over time, you realized that it was actually like the machine, like the middle, like the, the heart of the machine is really mm-hmm. the mindset mm-hmm. and the mental strength and the work that you've had to put into to get to the point of like your fitness level, because for those who who don't know Alana, she is insanely strong (laughs) and very impressive. And like you inspire me so much, just like physically to feel (laughs) stronger. So I thank you for that too. Um, I appreciate um, that. And I, I think that's such an important, that's the word that I, that, really resonates. And I, I want that to be the word that people think of, um, when, you know, I was really conscious about like, you know, with social media and things, when you're looking at sort of the fitness industry, there's a lot, um, packaged into that, that Mm -hmm. kind of is meant to gear towards a certain, um, audience and what you should want and, and be a consumer of and believe. And I think it's so important to disrupt that when we can. And I think a big part of that is really shifting that, like, there's not your body, your body is meant to do what you want it to do. And the strength of your body is for you and the purposes that you want it for. And I think you know, seeing just an image of someone doesn't tell you anything about the story of that body. And I think that to me is so, that's, that's the thing that's compelling to me about, um, the industry as a whole of movement and and wellness. It's like, if you're not looking at someone's, if you're not also asking them just as much about, you know, like, great abs, great skill of whatever you're doing. But if you're not also asking like what they, how many times they've, they've tried doing that and then stopped 
because they didn't think they could or didn't want to or didn't feel yeah. like, like what are all those things behind like how did you get to that point how long did that take how much failure did you have to go through to finally feel proud like those are the questions that we don't talk about and um and I think people need to be having those conversations more when they think about like your body is the result of so many more things than like a picture or something that can just be this one standalone image of it and there's so much behind it so I really appreciate the the word strong is exactly like that's what I want to emulate to other people because that can resonate in so many different ways like the strong person who has had a child is going to be a very different looking strong body than someone who's 18 you know an athlete like there's they're very different definitions of what it means for a body to be strong but everyone is uh capable of and that should be to me that should be the focus is like strength is um to me the most empowering part of what we are working towards because it's physical and it's mental yeah and and i 100 percent agree with all of that and I think that like what's coming through to me is that people aren't talking enough about the mindset muscle that you have to strengthen along with the physical body and that the mindset muscle is what will keep your physical practice going Mm -hmm. and I just love that you're here to like break like to question that like to question the industry and how they present fitness I I think that we need more of you in this world and I really appreciate the work that you're doing and I'm curious can you talk a little bit about your transition from from like how you transitioned to being a leader in the fitness industry and and how you kind of infuse mindset into your work but where, where was that point when you decided to, to like be a trainer or a teacher? And I know that you have like your own idea of like what the word trainer means. And like, maybe we can just talk about all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so I think, uh, trainer is kind of the term that people understand. And that's like, you know, people have heard of a personal trainer Um, I think what attracts people to specific trainers, um, or people who do any form of, um, kind of mentorship or leadership within the field of kind of exercise in general, um, is really, I I mean, you attract what you give. And so I think I, um, really, it was really important to me to start with something that was authentic. And so I, I pretty much just only, I started with teaching classes, um, because I was a little intimidated with doing things one-on-one. And I, I just had this very much imposter syndrome of like, why, why is someone paying me to tell them how to exercise? Like, it took me a long time to feel like I, was able to do one-on-one stuff, but, um, but classes to me was classes to me was like an adult version of my sports teams. And I was like, this is the best because it's play. 
And so whether people in my classes would agree with that, <laughs> it was like, it's the same. It's like you have this community and you come together and you, you always leave feeling better than you came in. And I loved that. And I love being able to give people a time that they knew they could rely on for that. We didn't have to talk about work and politics and things with their family. And it was a space that was ours. And for that amount of time, like it was just people's outlet and community. And it, I just really loved, um, turning that into as much of a kind of team feeling space. And so I, yeah, I think it, it evolved really from teaching classes and I think everyone kind of caters to you evolve into kind of a style. So I think my style really was, um, going, you know, as you say, going back to the home, it was like, I wanted it to be fun again. I wanted exercise to be fun again. So I, I did a lot of like still do like games or team, um, team building esque things in a, even in a hit class, like there's no reason your boot camp can't be like a team building activity. So I just tried to make it fun. Cause I think for one, for people who, you know, for people that are just coming back to exercising again, it's not always fun and it can be really scary. And so if it's not fun in the first place, you're definitely not want to come back. And yeah, I just, I, I wanted to make it as welcoming and open and um, just a place that people enjoyed, you know, like a very much a playtime again. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And was this in, um, in a gym or was this your own like private thing? That has evolved too. So I started, I started at a gym in Vermont. And then I, when we moved to Brooklyn, I was working at a gym there. Um, very different gyms between the two, between Vermont and, and New York. Um, but I, I think I still really tried to keep that same style wherever I went. And then, and then like most people with the pandemic morphed into for a while, I was doing stuff on zoom. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of at this cusp right now where I actually haven't been, this is the longest I've haven't taught in like six years. And so I'm dying to do something again. I don't know exactly what that something will look like at this point, but I'm really excited to start doing something again. Yeah. And I want everyone to know that I have done one of your Zoom course classes. And at first, before the class, I'm like, oh my God, am I ready for this? Am I going to make it? And you make it so um, you meet people where they're at. And I really appreciated that about your class. So I just want to reflect that back to you. Cause I like, you know, I've Instagram stalked you and I'm like, oh my God, she's <laughs> so strong. Am I going to survive? And it was it was not only doable, but it was like, you're saying what your intention is. It was fun. It was a community of women. It felt safe. It felt motivating. And, um, I just, for anyone out there, once you start like offering things, Alana, I just hope that people like listening to this, check you out. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. It was a good, good experience. It's so funny. Um, cause I've had a lot of people 
say that it's like the stuff you do in your videos are crazy and I'm not taking your class because <laughs> and then they'll they'll do it and it's like okay that is nothing to do with but it's like you know it goes back to exactly the kind of what we we're talking about before with like it's so personal with whatever your definition of strength is and um and and no matter where it is what it looks like that's perfect for you and um yeah, but it is, it is pretty funny. People come and they're like, are we going to have to be flipping around and doing like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I have kind of a two-part question for you. As you were like re-entering the fitness world in college and you signed up for the race, um, were there days where it felt difficult to get up and move? And I'm wondering if so, how did you work through that? And how did you create a lifestyle where you consistently like do this for yourself every day? Mm -hmm. I'll the second part after this. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I will say, I still have those days. Like, I think that's another misconception that people think, um, you know, they see someone in a certain way and assume like, you must exercise all the time and you must eat really well. And it's like, no, I absolutely still have days where I'm like, I don't, I'm not moving today. And I'm definitely just going to sit here and eat my ice cream, <laughs> you know? So it's still, that's still definitely, I have those days, but, but that the race is a good example of, um, cause I really had no motivation to, um, I was doing that for a friend. So yeah. it was a totally, external motivation. And I, so it started really, cause I didn't want to let someone down, which okay. is a pretty good motivation for me. Yeah. Um, but on those days and there were plenty, um, I think I just really started getting better with giving myself permission to have baby steps in that, you know, day one is not going to be a half marathon and yeah. day one did not look good. It did not feel good, but it was important that I took the step. It was important that I just did something. And so I think I just started becoming more comfortable with giving myself permission, um, that, you know, like put that literal finish line out of sight. Mm -hmm. and just take a step towards it. And so, wow. Yeah. I think that was a good image of literally, and it was interesting. I was actually literally, I would run the, the route. And so I had the finish line literally in sight. Um, but it really was, um, just like, if I can just get one mile more today, or I can just, you know, focus on my breathing today, or I have kind of different tweaks of like, different focuses and, and just, just letting myself do something and giving myself permission to feel proud of that was, mm -hmm. it's, that's so important. Wow. Yes. Giving yourself permission to just take the baby step forward and let go of the big picture, let go of the big goal and just take your realistic step forward in the moment that you're at. That's huge. And did you notice yeah. like, yeah. And did you notice as this built up, like I kind of see it as like this became a snowball and it just like your inner dialogue and your mental and physical strength became bigger. And maybe 
I don't want to assume, but did you feel like you, you were coming back home in your body again? Is that kind of, is that true? Yeah. I mean, it definitely was a ripple effect in the sense that, you know, fitness is one of those things that there's a pretty, what's happening on the outside of your body for better, for worse, like people notice. And so, you know, for better, for worse. So, so for me, it was a positive ripple effect in that, um, what was happening mentally was way more important to me, but people didn't know that. And people didn't ask about that, but they did see physical changes. And, um, so I think that really started shaping this drive that the more I was doing things and hearing feedback from friends, um, and feedback, you know, from people that it was important to me, like friends and family and people that were like, wow, you, you are looking stronger. You're, you seem happier. Like all of these kinds of things that people were noticing, it was like, that kind of became this addicting ripple effect of like, I want people to see me in that way. And it was completely, um, kind of like the catalyst for me to start having a very different like connection with my body again. Um, as I mentioned before, it was just like, really a toxic relationship with my physical body in those years, like through college. And, um, and so I just, you know, mentally started talking to myself differently and that translated into physically how I was treating myself and, and yeah, it absolutely started taking a a shape literally (laughs) differently in how I looked and how I felt. And, um, yeah, it finally started being something I was proud of again, which felt great. Yeah. And did you notice that even when you weren't like training and, and working out, did you notice your, like your inner dialogue, um, and your mindset like throughout the day, like it kind of carried into your other daily routes, like practices. Did you notice that? Oh yeah. I think, um, uh, there's sort of a, an extremist guy, but I like, I like his extremist because it's like, okay, well that's, that's one end of the spectrum and everyone is somewhere behind that, but he's the extreme, but he, David Goggins talks about mental, the mental callus of, um, exercise. And, um, again, he's extreme, but I think it resonates in, the more that you are able to kind of get comfortable with being uncomfortable, yeah, there's no limit to how that translates into other aspects of your life. So, so in times where you need to sit with being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like there are days in my regular work day that that absolutely, I have to think about that. I have to think about like, this is a different way of doing that. And, and I know I can do it because I've done it when I'm, you know, as silly as it sounds, it's like, if I can be uncomfortable holding that plank or whatever I'm doing and know that I didn't want to do it. And this is way longer than I wanted to do it. And I want to be done and I want to be over it, but I did it. And, and you need to do that to push that boundary to kind of callous your brain and your mind to know you're capable of those, 
of, you know, strengthening yourself. And so I think that absolutely translates into other aspects of my day and in my relationships. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to learn with being able to have kind of that inner dialogue that comes with what you're thinking and doing when you're, when you're pushing yourself physically. Yeah, totally. That resonates a lot. I took up mountain biking a couple of years ago and like, I never thought that I would mountain bike. And when I'm on the trails, it's all mindset and it does carry over. Like when we do things that feel uncomfortable and we prove to ourselves that we could are capable of something that we never saw ourselves doing, we're stretching our comfort zone and it just keeps going and going. And you're tur- then you turn into this version of yourself. And then like, one day you look at yourself and you're like, holy shit, I'm a badass. Like what the hell? <laughs> and it's <these laughs> gradual baby steps. Like we're talking about, it's just the mm-hmm. steps in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And my, the second part of my question was more about how you transitioned to becoming like a fitness teacher and leading classes and being an example for others. And you, you mentioned briefly that you experienced imposter syndrome, which you are not alone there. Um, and I'm wondering how have you worked through those feelings of like, oh my God, I'm not saying this is you. I'm just trying to paint a picture because some people might yeah. not know what imposter syndrome is. So like kind of just feeling like, who am I to do this? Like there are other like people who are more qualified or I'm not good enough, just kind of feelings revolving around. Oh that. yeah. Of, of any kind of like, you don't belong in that space. You haven't, yeah. you don't deserve to be there questioning. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that it really, it is so hard to get over that. And I think it, you know, comes in ebbs and flows of, of times where something will happen and it, and it comes back and you're like, oh my God, I thought I, I thought I felt confident in this and <laughs> something happens. Um, <laughs> But then on the flip side, I think there's, there's reminders of, of feeling like I do deserve to be in that space. Um, like for example, the gym that I worked at in New York, I was the only female, um, for a long time, the only female trainer, um, at badass Academy and it was badass, but I was the only female and really felt um, there, it took a, it took some mental talk to, to own that. Um, not only do I deserve to be there, but I need to be there because they need clients. People need to go and see that they can see someone leading that looks like them, you know, or looks, you know, like seeing a a female version of that is so important. Um, and seeing someone that gives you motivation and someone that can support you, um, but I think really um, what reminded me and what would keep me in check was just relationships with people and knowing that um, you don't need to have a certain amount of experience or a certain amount of something that shows up on your resume for how much of an impact you can have on someone's life in a certain way that you're trying to. And so I think that was my focus was like, 
how can I connect with someone to make them feel um, connected to their body? How can I make them feel stronger? How can I make them feel motivated and supported? Mm-hmm. Um, and that they had, you know, this community or they, if I was working one-on-one, at least they had me. And um, yeah, so I think that was kind of always the remedy that I would go back to when I felt like I needed a check of, do I deserve to be doing this? Am I good enough? definitely it's an industry that's heavy in kind of comparison culture. So that's always hard. Like it's, it's always, no matter how good you think you get at being secure in yourself and, and you know, what, what you need and what's good for you. It's so hard to, it's such an aesthetic culture of like the fitness culture is definitely one of the most, like it's, it's so purely like, what does your body look like? And that is all of you. (laughs) And and it's really hard. It's really hard to, to totally sever that tie of like, I don't need to, that body is not mine. And I don't need to compare myself. I don't need to be um, looking more like that to be worthy of feeling proud of who I am and what I look like. Wow. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. I think that I see and have experienced for myself, like how people attach their worthiness to their physical appearance and even what they do. And I think that it's important. Part of the work that I do revolves around instilling the idea that you were born worthy and you're worthy is unfuckable. You're just worthy on your worst day and you're worthy on your best day and everything in between. And there's nothing you can do to enhance it or decrease it. It's just there. And so thank you for bringing that up. I think it's really important. I love that. Yeah. Worthiness is on. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I love that. That's, (laughs) that's a great phrase. (laughs) And so I'm curious if, if someone is listening right now and they're wanting to feel stronger and they're wanting to move their body and there might be like shame or limiting beliefs or old stories that are kind of, um, stopping them before they can even start. Do you have any advice or wisdom to share for someone in that situation? Yeah, I would say, um, I would say for one that you deserve to feel good and exercise or some kind of movement is one tool that you should really consider to make yourself feel better, um, on a physical level, um, And then honestly, kind of logistically, what I give to people that I work with is to say, identify just three things um, that are um, SMART goals. So SMART being very specific and measurable. Um, They have to be attainable. So it can't be, you know, like if go back to that example of the half marathon, my my SMART goal would not be to just do the half marathon. 
but incremental, like what can you actually do and starting with, so give yourself three goals. Cause if you don't have a goal, um, it's really hard to be motivated. It's really hard. Um, and so finding a goal that's really specific to you that you want, um, that's a good start. And then counter that with three um, barriers that you see as getting in the way of getting there. Mm-hmm. Counter that with three um, responses to those barriers. What are you going to do when, so a common barrier that people um, I've heard is, you know, like I have kids, I don't have time. I don't have time, whether they have kids or not. I don't have time to yeah. do this, um, which I say, figure out, map out what your day looks like. Mm-hmm. I promise you can figure out, we can find 15 minutes. We can find five minutes. Yeah. Start with that and, and start growing what that looks like in your day. And so I think, um, yeah, the power of those three things, three goals, what are three barriers that you see and what are three ways you can overcome those barriers? So set yourself up to, um, to be successful and to just start like baby step is fine. Just start doing something. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for that. That is going to resonate. It definitely did for me. So thank you so much. (laughs) Alana, are you ready for the fleeting eight where I ask you eight questions and after each one, you tell me your first response? Oh gosh. I, I am so bad at, yes, I'm ready. First one is where is your favorite place in nature? Okay. In the summer, it's sitting in a boat in the middle of the river. In the winter, it's sitting, walking through a field of snow in silence. Oh, Oh, fuck yeah. And like your Vermont just came out because we think in seasons over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's, it's like, I can't think about outside without thinking like, well, what does it look like outside at the time? Right. <laughs> um, what is your, oh, this is a great one for you. What is your favorite exercise or movement activity? Mm, that's also seasonal. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I would say, I would say most often um, I am all about Clearly, if you follow me, I like high intensity spurts of really kind of fast, but then I'm done with it. So I, I'm not an endurance person. I'm like all about let's have fun and get it done. Yeah. I love that. And I'm going to add another little question. So you actually have nine, but I want to know what your definition of exercise is. Oh, good question. Any way you want to move your body. Oh, love that. Anyway, you want to move your body. <laughs> oh, there's so much permission there. Thank you for that. I love that. Um, what is something that you're grateful for right now? Hmm. I have a puppy and I am so grateful to be experiencing um, firsts through her mm. life. So today was a good example. She swam for the first time today and it was so exciting. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) Um, Oh, 
What is a mantra or affirmation that has helped you? Mm. I love grow through what you go through. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. What is your definition of self-care? Hmm. Taking time, making time mm. to bring yourself joy. Oh, yes. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Like watch your life transform <laughs> when you make time for enjoyment. That's it right there. Yes. You have to make time. Yeah. What is a random act of kindness that you have done or received? I love this question. I wish I had like an abundance of things. The one that comes to mind um, is so random. And again, so Vermont, um, but it made my day. So like, I don't know, last week, a neighbor um, came knocking at the door and she um, gave a dozen fresh eggs just because she had an abundance. And it was so, I had just run out and I was like, oh my God, this is magical. It is magical because like, you know, we moved back at this pandemic way of life and people don't just like show up at your door. And, and it was exactly what I was craving. I was like, Oh, it's just like a movie. Someone showing up at your door with a thing. As like, it was great. I love that, and it's so Vermont. Like I have too many eggs for my chickens in the backyard. I'll take them anytime. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, what is something that you recently did that scared the shit out of you, but inspired you all at the same time? I'm going to be honest, Tori, and say that the beginning of this podcast is <laughs> a scary thing for me. I don't, um, yeah, scary, but so such a necessary part of my own growth. And I appreciated having the time to talk and share and just um, grow through what you go through. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel honored that you agreed to this podcast I feel special so and I know the listeners are stoked that you're here right now so thank you um and then the last one how do you practice slowing down hmm. <laughs> yeah definitely not a strength of mine um I, I think I have to I have to consciously think about um I have to think about spending more time in the things I'm doing. So whether that's like reading an email rather than just like zip through, I got to do this. I got to do this. I need to slow down and take time. Or if I'm, if I'm walking the dog, oh God, sorry. That's um, my partner getting home to walk the dog. Um, I, I need to slow down and, um, and just be present in that. So I think to me, slowing down really means just like taking more time in the things you're doing. Yeah, totally. I always say, um, slow down and become more intentional. 
<laughs> oh, awesome. So now I want you to tell yes. us how can, how can people connect with you? Is there anything coming up in your world that you want to share? Anything going on? Um, let's see. So you can find me on Instagram at awana.ojibwe. Um, and I will spell out Ojibwe. It's O-J-I-B-W-A-Y. And I really hope that by the time you're hearing this right now, I would love to say, in fact, I will manifest this into happening that I'll be teaching classes again and yeah. maybe both virtually and in person and, and, I hope that at this point, you're able to follow up and take a class with me. Yeah. Hell yeah. We'll be there. Awesome. Well, is there anything else, any final messaging, anything that you want to share before I let you go? I just so much appreciate um, getting to see your face and talk with you. And I'm so... Um, yeah, I hope, I really hope that some parts or all of this resonates with people in um, just redefining what exercise can be and what self-care can be mm -hmm. and the relationship between movement and your mindset. And I just hope that um, people find a way to give that their own flavor and make something from that. Ooh. Thank you so much. I love that. I love that. Well, it has been such a privilege to talk with you really, truly. And I can't wait for this episode to drop and for everyone to listen to it. So thank you so much, Alana, for your time. And how good was that? If you are digging these podcast guest interviews, I invite you to consider joining the Rinse and Repeat membership because it's not too uncommon for some of these guest speakers to make an appearance as a private guest teacher in the Rinse and Repeat membership. So if you would like to connect with some of these individuals in a more intimate container, I invite you to hop on over to my website, rinseandrepeat.studio, and check out the offerings listed there and join the beautiful, expansive, inspiring, life-shifting community. I'll see you there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. And I would absolutely love to know what resonated with you. Um, give me a shout out on Instagram or DM me. My handle is T-O-R-E-Y dot Hill. It's my name, Tori dot Hill. Um, and hearing from all of you literally lights me up. It makes my day. And it really gives me amazing insight on where to take the next podcast episode. So if you want to contribute and help design this podcast, let me know what your thoughts are. Um, I'd really, truly love to hear from you. And if this podcast episode made you think of someone in your life, please share it with them. Expanding this community will make this world a bit more magical and your help in doing so will literally make all of the difference. And 
lastly, make sure to follow this podcast so you can catch the next episode. I'll see you there.